live from my game room, it's the Dockiverse Podcast, episode 29, The Silence of the Basset Hounds. In this episode, we've got the five-room dungeon, RPG prompts, and commentary. And we'll start things up just as soon as I can get past these big bags of dice. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to the podcast, which, if I'm not mistaken, is dropping on the Friday of Labor Day weekend. So I hope everybody has a great weekend, has fun. Uh, I don't know that we have any plans because I am recording this a few days in advance and who knows how things are going to go. I want to extend my sympathies to both the people affected by Hurricane Ida down in the south and the people affected by the fires out here in California. We've got some bad ones this year, folks. Like I've said before, that's the new normal, so I don't know what we can do about it. Anyway, this episode is our usual Friday. I will try uh, in future Friday episodes to have some questions from readers. I've tossed that out on Facebook a couple of times. I may have to have Sasha do a post about it on Twitter. Anyway, hopefully we'll get some... uh, comments and some questions and things coming up soon. And now we're going to go, as we always do, to thanking my wonderful patrons over on Patreon. And remember, folks, you can do that too if you're listening on Anchor. Actually, you can support me on Anchor, but it's much easier to do it on Patreon. Thank you, David. Thank you, Avis. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Mark. You guys are the greatest. I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. Eat lots of barbecue. Drink your favorite drinks. Pet your cats and dogs. Actually, you can pet your kids and your spouses, too. That's probably a good idea. All right. Now we move on to the five-room dungeon, which is the road to nowhere. And we are coming up to room number four. This is the climax, big battle or conflict room. And this time it's pretty much the climax and the big battle. The conflict is just fighting because there are a shitload of zombies here, folks. Whole lot of zombies going on. You got human, elf, dwarf, halfling zombies. You got zombie dogs. Might be a couple of zombie cats. You have zombies of all ages. So some of these zombies are going to be little kids, and some of them are going to be adults. Some are going to be old people. Doesn't matter. They're all zombies. There are also a couple of zombie monsters, too, that just happen to be lurking around the edges of town when whatever happened to turn these people into zombies turned them into zombies. So you can toss in whatever monster you think will make things interesting for your party. Basically, that's it. They get to the final town at the end of the road, and they've got to fight their way through it to get to the... Now, big house on the hill, or the only open mine, or whatever, and find whatever I come up with for the next room. And, of course, you'll want to make the zombies as tough or as wimpy as your party needs. High-level party, I would just pile them on. I would just have, I'd maybe make some of them fast-running zombies, the kind that can sort of think and plan. If you really need to get uh, 
interesting about it? Make a whole lot of zombie dogs. Dogs are a lot faster even as zombies than humans are, or elves or dwarves. Since this is a mining area, some of these zombies could be armed with picks, shovels, whatever. So make it interesting, have fun with it, and this is the big battling conflict. And after this, well, they get to go and see what they can find. Maybe some treasure, maybe something interesting, maybe something that knocks everything sideways. And now we move on to RPG prompts, which, as I've said before, are prompts I've taken from the 2020-2019 RPG A Day prompt list, back when they were still just one word. Because if you go back farther than that, they had sentences, and I still have not gotten around to typing all those up, but I will at some point. Anyway, our very first prompt today is first. First can mean a lot of things. First game, first death in a game. First really big victory in a game. A lot of stuff going on. And of course, it can mean the first system you played. Like a lot of old farts, the first system I played was D&D. And it was actually original D&D in the box. The little books. The little really poorly written, poorly composed books. Where the rules were obscure and what you're supposed to be doing wasn't really spelled out. And, of course, as I said when I was talking about how I got this way in earlier episodes, we had a killer GM. So he would kill us off every game and then we'd come back. It was like some strange mixture of a war game, which it was, because that's what D&D was back then, and role-playing. We actually did a little bit of role-playing, but mostly we did a lot of fighting until we died. I've talked about my first GMing experience back in previous episodes, so you can go back and listen to that if you want. I think the next first I'll cover then will be the first convention I went to, and that would be Dundracon. And I don't know what Dundracon it was, but it was still in the single digits, and I actually kind of went by accident. My friend who was in my gaming group and I were heading up to uh, Oakland, and a friend of his had something to give him, a car part, I think. And he said, well, I'm going to be at this convention and just come here to this hotel. So we get to this hotel and we walk in and we're looking for this guy and we find him and we're talking to him and it's a game convention. Now, I knew they existed, but I'd never been to one. So we wandered around, talked to people, sat down, hung around. And then eventually someone came up to us and said, you know, you need a badge to be here. And we were like, oh, well, okay, sorry. And we left. And it was a few years before I went back to Dundercon or any other convention, but I did, in fact, go back. I love conventions, but that's a whole other thing. Now we're going to move on to our second prompt, which is ride. In D&D and in a lot of games, characters may be riding horses or unicorns or whatever, but they really don't take much care of them. It's like, yeah, we'll tie up the horses and we'll go in the dungeon. And then they spend six days in the dungeon, they come out and the horses are still there. Guess what? That don't work. Okay? The horses will bust loose and run at the slightest provocation. They'll eat all the grass and then get hungry and starving and then they'll bust loose and get out of there. Sometimes, in the old days especially, you would have a hireling or a henchman who would watch the horses. Once in a while, a crafty dungeon master will have the henchman or the hireling say, you know what? These horses are worth some money. 
I'm going to steal them all and the stuff that's on them. And then the characters come out and they got no horses. They got none of the stuff that was on the horses, possibly loot from previous adventures on the way here to the dungeon. And things get hairy after that. Other rides that people sometimes don't go into enough detail or enough uh, about are in modern games, pulp games, modern time games, horror games, whatever, where you have automobiles or cars, trucks, motorcycles, airplanes, boats. They don't do a lot of maintenance on them. Possibly if you're playing a sort of Doc Savage-ish kind of game where you're all wealthy guys and you've got this huge organization working for you. You, you know, you just take that for granted. Yeah, well, we parked the car in the garage and then Joe and Jose, the mechanics, they'll take care of it. But a lot of games, they don't do that. The next prompt is one. And by one, I'm going to talk about one person, either as a player or the one person who sticks out in a group of players. Those aren't necessarily the same thing. One player is just like I say, one player. And I have run games where it's just me as DM or GM and one person playing. I've played a couple like that too. They're interesting sorts of games because you're the only one and you've got nobody backing you up. So you have to think a lot more about what you're going to do. I've noticed and I've done when I've played that way that people make a lot less stupid mistakes when it's just them. There's a lot less, yeah, I'm going to kick open the door and we're going to run in. There's a lot more, no, I think I'll listen at the door, maybe smell, see if I smell anything funny, maybe try and peek underneath it, then I'm going to quietly pick the lock. Yeah, there's no more of that rushing into shit. Yeah, when, you, when you're the only one, when there's no cleric to heal you, and you're down to your last healing potion, yeah, you get a lot more cautious. One-on-one -on -one gaming is quite a bit of fun, really. I think there should be more one-on-one -on -one games. I know Robin Laws wrote a one-on-one -on -one gumshoe version, and that's great, you know, because everything Robin writes is great. And I would encourage people to try the one-on-one -on -one sort of thing. Now, then we get to the people who stick out in a group. And that can be any number of reasons because humans are endlessly varied. I've had people who stuck out in a group because they were kind of dicks. I've had people who stuck out in a group because they were excellent role players. I've had people, often women, who were sort of in the background constantly in a group, and I try to bring them out a little bit. I've had people who were always distracted by the tiniest little thing. And of course, I've had people who occasionally try to scuttle a whole game. I will boot those people out of a game so fast it'll make your head spin. The only people I will probably boot faster are rules lawyers, and the only reason rules lawyers get kicked out is because you catch on to them instantly. The other guy, it might take you a couple games, you realize, wait, you know, he's, I think he's trying to fuck over the game. So, you know, people stick out for a lot of reasons. It's great to have one person that sticks out as a leader or a great role player or somebody who encourages everybody else. Those are the people we GMs look for. All right, next episode, we'll have three more prompts. But now we move on to commentary. Today's commentary is something that a lot of us have had to face either for financial reasons, or you're moving, or divorcing, or sometimes you just realize, I have too much shit. And this is getting rid of games. It's wrenching for a lot of us. Maybe not for some of the board games you bought at some point. You say, eh, you know, well, maybe that wasn't such a board game. I can get rid of that. But I know that getting rid of role-playing stuff, even the stuff I've never played, and I know I probably never will play because I'll never find a group to do it, that, that's hard. It really is. But I've done it. 
I did it here a few months ago. I sold off quite a good chunk of my games. I did it a few years ago. I took some down to Dundercon and I sold them at the flea market. And I did it a little bit before that when I sold off a bunch of mostly small, old, crappy games. And of course, one of the big sales I did was several years ago, I sold about 120 issues of Alarms and Excursions. Part of me says, oh, God, Doc, I wish you hadn't done that. And part of me says, you know, those fuckers are heavy and eventually you and Grace are going to move. If I really want them, I can probably get a lot of them in PDF form from Lee Gold because I haven't gotten physical edition of A&E in years. I don't even remember the last one I got physically, but it was probably, oh God, probably close to 10 years ago, maybe even longer back than that. But getting rid of games is difficult. You look at them, you put a bunch of them in a pile, you say, yeah, those are ones I'm never going to play, but geez, that one was really good to read, so maybe I'll just put it back. And then you're like, but you know, that one I might play, and then, oh, there's that one, and it's got some nice artwork in it. And at some point, you just have to look yourself in the mirror and say, no, we got to get rid of this shit. We got to get rid of these games. And sometimes, in fact, often you can salve over that pain by saying, and if we get rid of these games, we can buy new games, which I seldom buy new games anymore, but I tell myself that. Board games? Well, right now I am getting ready to go through my board game collection, which is nowhere near as huge as a lot of people I know. And there are probably a dozen, maybe more, board games that I'll be getting rid of. A lot of them I've never played. I buy them, I punch them out, I read rules. I think about playing them, and it doesn't happen. And some of them seemed like a good idea at the time, but, you know, I don't know when I'll get to play them. Some of them I have, and they're taking up space. Anyway, I'll be getting rid of those games. And that brings me to a little bit more for this commentary of how you get rid of games. I have sold games on eBay. That's where I sold all those alarms and excursions, for one thing. That's a pain in the ass for me, okay? Because you got people bidding from all over the place, and you got the guys that come in and snipe at the end, and you know they're fucking over somebody that you thought probably really wanted the game. The last time I sold games, I just went on Facebook, and I said, hey, folks, and I didn't even even do it through the the board game or role-playing game for sale pages. I just did it on my page. I said, hey, guys, I'm getting rid of these games. I would prefer to get rid of them to someone in the Sacramento area or Northern California who doesn't mind driving to where I am because shipping just, first of all, shipping's expensive anymore. Second of all, it's a pain in the ass. I got to go to post office. I got to put things in boxes. I got to label things. I really would avoid that. So I'll be putting up my board games on both my Facebook page and on the Sacramento Gamers page, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully someone will sweep in and say, I want to buy them all. And they'll give me a bunch of money, and we'll both be happy. But if you have games that you don't need, you might want to think about getting rid of them because A, you make some money off them, B, you'll clear up space in your house, and C, you'll have space for new games. Well, folks, that's all for this episode. As always, I thank you for listening. And if you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, I can be reached on Facebook, where I'm Doc Cross, on WordPress at the Docverse blog, via email at agentroscoe at gmail.com, or if you're listening via Anchor, you can leave a voicemail. 
If you'd like to support me via Patreon and hear these podcasts weeks before they go up on Anchor and download cool PDFs and listen to mini episodes that will never be heard by the general public, you can find me at www.patreon.com forward slash dot cross. If you'd like to sponsor or advertise on this podcast, get in touch with me by any of the methods I just mentioned, and I will thank you profusely and work out a deal. Our music for this episode was Relatively Human by Jacob Haller, and it came off the Free Music Archives. This podcast and everything on it, except the music, is copyright 2021 by Doc Cross. Why is that? Because I'm Doc Cross, and I did all the goddamn work on it, so it's copyright me.